spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Stop me if you've heard this somewhere before. It's episode 368 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. I always get psyched when I get to talk to some great talent from the voiceover world. And she is way up there as far as I'm concerned. She's been the voice of Cinderella for years for Disney. Shepard on Mass Effect. She's got something great with Ratchet and Clank. Coming up soon, the wonderful Jennifer Hale going to join me this week to talk about all of her work, some stuff that she's got coming up, and a new initiative that she has to talk about voice actors and support them called What the Vox. Can't wait to ask her about that. Of course, there's some amazing nerd news this week. There's an update on the Wednesday Adams series from Netflix, some new animated series coming from the DC Universe that I think you're going to be super, super excited about, what I'll be talking about later, and just some really surprising news this week, quite frankly. Marvel's MODOK is also out on Hulu now, so I'll give you my spoiler-free review of that. But why wait? Let's talk to the amazing Jennifer Hale and find out what she's up to next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is voice actor Roger Craig Smith, and you guys are listening, you lucky people, to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And we're back. You know I love talking about great voice talent on this show and their project that the projects they've working on. And when I saw this name pop up on a list of, do you want to talk to this person? I'm like, absolutely. How would I not want to talk to this person? You've heard her in so many things. I mean, Mass Effect, she's the voice of Cinderella. The list goes, I mean, on and on. It's the great Jennifer Hale. Jennifer, how you doing? <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I'm well, it's uh, great to be here. Thank you so much. So, like I said, you've been a part of pretty much like every major franchise that there is to be a part of in some capacity. I'm sure you love them all, but do you get kind of a bit more excited to be a part of one than the other? Like maybe Star Wars, Marvel, or something like that. What's one that you get on your list to go, oh, I can't wait to do that again? See, now you're asking me to pick favorites. I didn't say pick favorites. I said, which one does you make make you really excited to work for? Actually, there's a lot going on right now that I'm super excited about. I will tell you the the one thing I that thrills me probably the most is the sheer variety of stuff I've been able to do. Like the range, the, to be able to go from a Commander Shepard to a Cinderella to a Princess Morbux to a Rivet or whatever it is, is phenomenal. That's like my favorite thing. And, you know, obviously right now I'm super excited for the legendary remaster, you know, that release. It, it's, I'm so excited for Mass Effect. Really excited about um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That because it's a side of me that people haven't spent as much time around lately, you know, and then I've got some other things in the works that I'm super excited about. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a lot of yeah. fun. I want to go back to your yeah. Marvel Marvel work for a second because you actually played yeah. Mantis on Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. And I've I actually did. gotten a chance to talk to a couple of cast members in the past from that show. I talked to Vanessa, Vanessa Marshall and David Sobolov, who were also part of the series, and they're just amazing. Yeah. So how much fun was it to work on that series and just look at that <laughs> cast and go, how incredible are all of these people? It was amazing fun. It was extraordinary. I mean, I I love that character. I believe I love that character. She was so intense and so much fun. It was awesome. I think the thing that people might not always remember is that we're all part of a big community and we all know each other. So it's always kind of a joyful thing when we get to see each other at work, you know, when we get to all be together. And that's been, you know, hasn't been like that lately. So uh, mm-hmm. those are very, very fond memories. I think the world of every one of those people and their talent is through the roof. Yeah, no doubt about that. You were, you teased Mass Effect 
a couple minutes ago. Of course, Commander Shepard been a big part about that. We know that the Legendary Edition is coming out this year, but I mean, we're still hoping maybe the next installment could be announced at some point. Is that something that you're kind of hoping that you're going to oh, be a yeah. part of? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say I'll be there with bells on or whatever armor you want me to have. I'm in. I'm all in. For you, when you're that excited about something like that, and clearly you are, do you do you sit here? Are you kind of like the fans too? You're like, oh, I was, you know, we heard about this in 2020 at the Game Awards. Here we are sitting at the mid middle part of 2020. You're like, oh, I just want this to. I want something on this. I need to know. <laughs> you know, I one of my principles in life is to be fully invested but not attached. So I'm fully invested in the concept, but I am not attached because everything will work out exactly the best way it's meant to. That's a good lesson for us all right there. If there's advice to like stitch on a pillow or something, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> now, like I said before, we've always tried to highlight some amazing voice talent here on our show. You're actually a founding member of something called What the Vox, which focuses yes. on that very thing. Can you talk about why that's such an important initiative for you? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, Sissy Jones or really birthed this thing. And, and it's a group of six of us women. It's Anjali Bamani, Carolina Ravasa, Kritia Bajos, Sissy, Courtney, and myself. And another thing that people, I think, aren't always aware of about the voice acting community is that we are a community. Mm. Like we have each other's backs. And the six of us came together to raise the profile, you know, of women in games, of underrepresented people in games and, and voice actors in general. Because the fans get us. The corporation's not always necessarily so. We are sometimes treated as replaceable. Sometimes we are replaced, you know, just on a whim. And so it was an opportunity for us to link arms and and really sing the praises of what the whole community has to offer. I kind of hit really hard not too long ago on the Performance Matters issue that was happening in the voice talent community. And I really don't think that, like you said, the fans get you. But I think that there's an average or casual fan that doesn't really understand everything that goes into bringing one of these characters to life. So can you expand on that a little bit and talk about all the different elements that actually go into even just a single role? You know, it's interesting. It's I'm working on a project right now that we'll get into a little later, but as part of it, our developer has done a ton of interviews with actors and, and then people who coach actors and stuff. And he, I forget because I've been in this business a long time. It is a hard road to hoe. You know, it's it's not suffering. It's not hard labor or anything, but it is a ton of what people term rejection. I don't look at it that way, but it's a daily festival of rejection <laughs> and just radio silence. I think one of the things people don't realize also is that we audition for a living. Our job mm -hmm. is to show up and audition. And we're not that's not something that you make any money at auditioning. Sometimes when you're lucky, a percentage of the, those jobs come back again a second time and there's a check attached, which is awesome. You spend a lot of time training in the meantime because you've got to be ready. Mm -hmm. when, when you're invited in, you're at A level and you better be A level. So you're always training to keep yourself up to speed. And then typically, let's say with animation, I'll, you know, we get the script a little bit ahead of time and we can read it and then we go in and we do it and we share the load. Now, when it's games, we, uh, I mean, 90% of the time, now it's maybe 85% of the time, I don't see the script ahead of time. Wow. I do not. I do not. I walk in and it's cold reading. <laughs> the other day I was working on a job and it's what we call ADR. So I'm reading to picture because it's already been done in another country. And I'm, it's a game and I'm bringing in the Western voice of this character mm -hmm. 
and the way the technical stuff was not working because COVID and all kinds of things, oh, yeah. I was basically just taking it off the subtitles. But those weren't always right. So I was memorizing on the fly and then executing it in the exact way that that needed to be. And that's 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 the words, the right words in my head, the right like moment before what happened before what, you know, all that kind of thing, the right connection to all the different other characters, all the right things loaded in and go. And then we were and sometimes it's the first or the third or the fourth take that goes to market. And I've seen this like 45 seconds earlier. And freaking terrifying. I don't, it's, you know, like, people don't understand that. That's freaking terrifying. <laughs> it's what we it's what we do. It's what voice yep. actors do. This is the most talented group of humans I think I've ever been around. They're insanely talented in so many different ways. Like I'm super average in that pool. That's an insanely talented pool of people. It's it's extraordinary. There are a ton of extraordinary talents in the voiceover world, yeah. no doubt about that. But Jennifer Hale mm -hmm. is definitely one of them. She voices so many great characters that you love. I did want to ask you about this, uh, where, yeah. where it gets to voice acting as well, because we see a lot of these live, act, live action hybrid animation. So yeah. it, usually when you're adapting video games to film, stuff like that, rarely do the original voice actors from those characters actually reprise their roles for said projects, Sonic the Hedgehog being one of those examples. So obviously no dis disrespect to the actors to get those roles, but is that something that you'd like to see change in the future? 100%. And in the interest of diplomacy, that's all I'll say on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I've ah. said plenty. So mm. trust me, it's, it's, it's out there. And Hey, shout out to Roger Craig Smith, by the way, who does a fantastic oh, Roger's job. Roger's incredible. In that I job. mean, look, that's a that's a cultural conversation that it's time to end, which is the dismissal and disregard of the, you know, sort of average working person, because we're the average working people of acting. We are the anonymous workforce that goes to work every day. And we're known in small circles. But when people want to be around fancier people that they perceive to be, you know, cool celebrities and stuff and or they want to take ownership of a project and just kind of put their stamp on it they don't understand that that has a human cost as well. Mm -hmm. The shiny object, money. the shiny it's object in the corner. Yeah. Or whatever is, there may be a myriad of things I don't understand, you know, full respect to all teams. But I will say, I mean, I just watched uh, one of the Scooby-Doo movies with my kid and I just, it kind of all respect to the actors in it, but it wrecked it for me that it, Frank was the only one of the originals that was in there. There was no reason to do that. No doubt. No doubt. Now you talked about how much the fans get you and I, and I know how passionate fans are for animation, video games, and, vo and for voiceover talent. So do you kind of feel like, we talked about COVID a second ago, do you feel like kind of the lack of in-person conventions and that ability to really get out and meet those fans has actually made it more difficult for voice actors to get that recognition that they, that they deserve? I don't know. I mean, I, it's possible, but with social media, you know, we have so many other ways to connect with people. My gosh, I you know, as part of the pandemic adventure, I ended up in a house in a completely different place, redoing the whole thing, building a studio. And people were inside my house via Instagram, you know, via, mm -hmm. via my Instagram, walking around my remodel with me in the dust and the dirt and God forbid the rat poo in my shed with me, <laughs> you know, like it's it, there's so much connection that we can have through social media. It's not there's no oxytocin in it, really. I don't I don't know. I haven't heard the studies on that. You know, we don't have that physical contact that mm -hmm. really soothes us. But but um, we're able to connect in some pretty powerful ways. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. talking to someone off the air a couple minutes ago saying, I think it would take a week 
for me to go through your whole IMDb page and all the great <laughs> stuff that you've done in your career. And that's not an even, even an exaggeration. So, Thank but you. I have to ask, cause I can't help but wonder in these situations, is there a character or a franchise that you have yet to be a part of that you're like, I would really love to be able to check that off my list one day. Something where I can sing, ride a horse, and save the world is always a good bet. I love the Battlestar Galactica franchise, but I would not touch it past the last reboot because it was perfect. Anything Star Trek or the Orville. <laughs> I would like to actually, and I'm going to ask the, can the fans to reach out on this. I know they're working on a Mass Effect film, and I think Mark and I should both have roles in that. No they don't question. Have to be big. I think we should both be characters in that. No question yeah. about the, that. The weirder, the less mainstream, the better. I love those roles. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Jennifer, before I let you go, we, we talked about Ratchet and Clank and one of the other projects, and obviously the Mass Effect Legendary Edition that's going to be coming up. Are there any other projects that you could tell us about that are coming down the pike that's just going to be really juicy? Yes. I have two projects, and they require you to open up your brain just a little bit. They specifically, one of them specifically speaks to people who want to learn how to be voice actors or people who are voice actors and want to expand their reach. Like they want to book more. They want to access to more people. I'm launching something called Skills Hub. The URL is skillshub.life. And it is a place to go. We have some of the most phenomenal coaches available on the site. And it's the drive through latte of coaching. Like you can get just 15 minutes with somebody amazing on wow. there. You can get help with an audition. You can just test it out and see, is this something I really want to do? And it's it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's one-on-one -on -one coaching, and you can find it at a price point that works for you. It's pretty amazing. Super excited about that, about the community that we're building in that. And then the second thing is I am launching a Patreon June 1st, and it's my own little contribution to the rebellion, which my mission in that thing is to connect you with your instincts, connect you with your intuition to walk you toward getting what you want and to take it back, take the world back because we are the ones we've been waiting for. So I invite everybody to come join me over there on my Patreon. It'll launch June 1st. Yeah. And there's other stuff in the works that I can't talk about because NDA. <laughs> yep. Once you put that pen to paper or finger on the little touchscreen signy thing. Yeah. You, you, yep. You're not allowed to say anything. Yep. So There is some very cool stuff coming down, but it's a little further down the pike. But yeah, I mean, definitely also, though, please, please, please check out Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It's going to be beautiful. I just have so much deep appreciation for everybody out there. Yeah. Excellent. We can't wait to see everything that she's got coming down the pike and make sure you're supporting What the Vox and all the great voice talent that there yes. is because good, goodness knows they deserve to be recognized like everybody else does. Jennifer Hale, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, James. Thanks, everybody. I just love talking to someone that's that's done it all, that's seen it all, and just done so many amazing things like Jennifer Hale has. If you haven't had a chance to actually discover who Jennifer Hale is, you need to correct that immediately. I don't care if it's IMDb, Google, you want to send out smoke signals, whatever. Just make sure you're finding out about Jennifer Hale and all the amazing projects she has. Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart are just a couple of examples of that. So make sure you're checking out those and all the other amazing things that she has going on as well. Hey, maybe we'll find out something at E3 that she's going to be a part of. That's going to do it for my interview with Jennifer Hale. Up next, time to talk about Marvel's MODOK, my review of the new Hulu series. Up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Julie Nathanson from Far Cry 5, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
This is exactly why you should never call anyone Big Head. It's time for my review of Marvel's MODOK from Hulu. And since the show just dropped today, and of course podcasts come out on Friday, not going to spoil anything on this, just going to give you my thoughts on it. Of course, if you haven't watched the show yet, it centers around MODOK, who's voiced by Patton Oswald, and it's it's not going well for MODOK. You know, he's tried to conquer the world, he keeps getting fought back by Avenger after Avenger, and, you know, he's run AIM into the ground, and things aren't exactly going great. So, his family life either. I mean, his marriage is falling apart, his family life sucks. So, now he's kind of going through a bit of a midlife crisis, and you see the villain side, to Modoc, and you also see the family side to Modoc, which is somewhat interesting to say the least. I will say, I'm going to start off with what I really like about this series. And one of the things I really liked about it was the animation style and just the, the stop motion uh, aspect that Stupid Buddy Studios brings. And that's who's, you know, did the animation for this series. And they, they always do a great job with what they put together. If you've seen Robot Chicken, you know that. Even Crossing Swords, which is also from Hulu, was just very well put together. And that was put together by, like, pegs. Those are, like, peg figures and stuff. So, all made out of wood. So, you know what they're capable of anytime they put a show together. And this one is visually stunning as anything that they've ever done at Stupid Buddy Studios. So, and the designs for MODOK looks great. I love the character designs. For some of the other characters as well, especially like Melissa, who is who's Modoc's one of Modoc's kids, great character design there as well, and th- that's one of the things that was the most fun about this series for me. Although to to be to be honest, as much as I love Patton Oswalt, I think my favorite character in this series, seriously, was Monica Rappaccini. Honestly, I mean, just the one-liners, the way she'd zing Modoc every time, and it was always perfectly timed as well and just that the way that she just challenged him at every turn and stuck it to him and of course something happens with them a little bit later on in the season too but for some reason and hats off to Wendy McClendon Covey who did a great job as the voice of Monica it's just that character always made me laugh even in episodes that I wasn't enjoying as much that character is one that always made me laugh for sure. Other than that, though, honestly, and this is an all-star cast. I mean, you've got Nathan Fillion, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg was part of this. John Hamm is the voice of Iron Man, who, have, who has some fun moments as well. You've got Melissa Fuermo, Amy Garcia, and I mentioned Patton Oswalt before. This show, for some reason, just did not land for me. And I know that, you know, humor is very different for for everybody, right? I mean, not everybody's going to love the same kind of humor. I get that. And maybe this is me being cranky old man too. I don't I don't know. But and, and it's not that I don't enjoy the humor of Stupid Buddy Studios because I've certainly enjoyed things that they've done in the past, but for some reason the the jokes just did not land in this show for me, right? And I know that there's a, you know, I I use the term serious very loosely here. Like a serious aspect to the fact that you know, Modoc is dealing with some trauma in his past from, you know, from his childhood and his family's falling apart. And, you know, why shouldn't he, you know, be a little unhinged and a little bit crazy? But even then, like, like some of the some of the jokes, just uh, even the, like the pop culture reference type stuff that they're doing, it just did not land for me. I wanted it to be funny. I kept waiting for that really laugh out loud moment. 
And I did not really get that. And there's some characters that, you know, I, you think you'd love, right? Like a character like Lou, who was played by Ben Schwartz, and that's that's Modoc's son. But that's, that character to me, I feel like, is in everything that Stupid Buddy Studios has done. There's always a character that's very similar to Lou. I shouldn't say always, because that's not fair. But there's usually a character very similar to Lou in the series. I would say the super same thing about Super Adaptor. There's a character like that often in these kinds of shows. And it's just, maybe I'm worn out by it. Maybe I'm just kind of done with that, right? I don't I don't know. And even the character of Austin, who, you know, kind of is the foil for, for MODOK in this show, I, I, again, just didn't really land for me. I, I Maybe it's because I feel like I've seen all of these characters playing the roles that they played before in other series. And I feel like that was just taken and adapted to a Marvel show. And again, that's another term you have to use loosely because I'm not really sure this is a Marvel show. And I'm not saying that everything has to be WandaVision. Everything has to be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm just saying that if you're going to do an animated series and make it fun and funny, I would have gone Deadpool. And I know that FX had their chance to do that and decided not to do it. And I'm not even saying you couldn't have made this funny. It just didn't work for me. And again, humor is very subjective. This is something that if you just love silly humor and and you love stuff that you've probably seen before and enjoyed, then you will enjoy Marvel's MODOK. And I cannot, you know, I can't spoil anything for you because I just told you I wasn't going to do that. But it just did not work for me. I didn't feel like... This show was bringing anything new to the table almost at all, unfortunately, as far as the as far as the writing was concerned and as far as the jokes were concerned. And and it's hard too for me to get invested in the character of Modoc, right? Because this is not I, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that Modoc is their favorite character, right? Or even up there in the list of villains or heroes that people like in the Marvel universe. I know that there's been some good Modoc stuff, but when you're asking Modoc to take the lead and be the character in any series, even when you put Patton Oswald behind that character and Patton Oswald is amazing, it just did not land for me. I just did I didn't care as much as I wanted to. And they tried really hard, by the way, in these especially in the early going in these episodes to make you care about what was happening. With Modoc, they really, really did. I'm not saying that this is for a lack of effort at all, because the effort was certainly there. It just did not land for me. And sometimes, you know what? A show just is not for you. And this show could go on to be wildly successful, and a whole bunch of people could think that it's hilarious. You could think it's hilarious. It just didn't land for me. So if you're looking for this show, in my opinion, if you're looking for this show to be new, break new ground, to be freshly funny, and bring you a whole bunch of new stuff and just take a, a completely different take on the Marvel Universe, you're not really going to get that, I don't think. Because, A, this doesn't really feel like a Marvel show, so I don't really feel like it does bring a n- different take into the Marvel Universe. You're just using Marvel characters and adapting it to a Stupid Buddy Studios show, essentially. So I can't even say that this is a change for the Marvel Universe. A- and secondly... Uh, again, if you just love the great animation style, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this. If you are a Modoc fan and you want to see Modoc in the way you, that you haven't seen him, other than one specific 
comic run, then then maybe this is something that you would enjoy. But if, if you're looking for something different, I don't think this is different, especially if you've seen stuff. But, but, but again, it's uh, that's another thing, too. If you just really enjoy the work of Stupid Buddy Studios, what they've done in the past, you'll probably like this on a certain level. But it just it's just too repetitive. The jokes seemed kind of flat for me, and it was almost too easy. I don't feel like the show took a whole lot of chances or anything like that. So ah, this just this one just isn't for me. But I'd be curious to see what you think about Marvel's Modoc, which is now streaming on Hulu. That's gonna do it for my review of Marvel's Modoc. Up next, how about we talk about some comics? It's what we're reading on the Down and Nerdy podcast. Hi everyone, this is artist Nicholas Scott, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy podcast. From a Brazilian badass to a martial arts master, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading, and I could not wait to read Wonder Girl number one from DC this week. Joel Jones doing the writing and the art for this one. The wonderful Jordi Belair on the colors and Clayton Cowles on the letters. Now, what this really does, and maybe some minor spoilers in this review, by the way, this takes us back to the beginning for Yara Floor. We've seen her as a child and the tragedy that happens in her past. Then we see her in present day as a young woman who really wants to discover more about her Brazilian heritage because apparently she doesn't either remember a whole lot or she wasn't taught a whole lot about it when she was growing up. Now, how better to do that, though, than to take a tour, right? You know, you take the guided tours when you go someplace you don't know. You know, you learn a little something from the guide. Now, little did she know, though, that there would be an unscheduled stop that would that only she would be making. Could you imagine that? Like you're going on a tour and they're like, I'm going to need you to come with us, except there wasn't exactly a whole lot of asking in this particular situation. You just kind of leave the group and you go on this wild adventure by yourself. Almost kind of where we're going here. There also seems to be a war brewing now in the land of the Amazons with the gods really at the controls. There's some shady Game of Thrones stuff going on up there and I don't I don't know or, or wherever the, and this really could be bad and it, it seems like Yara is going to be the key to maybe diffusing this whole situation but again that's that's only time will tell in future issues but this really does feel like a ground floor origin story for this character though and hopefully the start of a long-running series that really dives in to who Yara really is. Because remember, in Future State, we're meeting basically future Yara, who is now Wonder Woman, and all. And I don't want to say all grown up, but certainly grown up more and more experienced in being a hero. And we haven't really gotten that, you know, who is she really and what is her story? We didn't really get that in, in almost any depth at all. So now this is our chance to do that. But I will say this. This is such a gorgeous book across the board i mean incredible character designs the backdrops are even stunning just so the, the the art is so clean and the colors are so just vibrant in this book i couldn't take my eyes off of it any page of this book i just simply could not take my eyes off it it took me longer to read it just because i was taking everything in and that almost never happens when I read comics anymore, honestly. And I know that's a sad statement to say out loud, but this one really, really just made me remember why I love reading comics in the first place. Now, while the story in the first issue is pretty basic, and it really is laying the groundwork for what's going to be coming later, and we get a little bit of origin in there as well, this book is just so... This book and this character of Yara, there's just something about this character 
And this, quite frankly, creative team that I don't know how you could possibly say no to this. As a matter of fact, when I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, now that Discovery has merged with Warner Media, I really hope they take another look at that Wonder Girl live action series that the CW passed on and find a way to get that thing on the air. Because Yara Floor is a character is a character that not only deserves to have a good run in the comics, deserves to be brought to the screen as well. I don't care if we've only seen her in a few issues. I said what I said. Put this in your poll box right now. Let's go to Shang-Chi number one now from Marvel. Got a brand new number one, you know, because the movie's coming out. We want to make sure we have a little bit of a new story to talk about. So this one is written by Jean Luen Yang, DK Ruan on the art, Triona Farrell on the colors, and VCs Travis Lanham on the letters. Really good cover, too, by the way, by Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go, too. Now, again, maybe a few spoilers in this review, so just be prepared for that. These books have been out, so... Just this one's actually build though a Shang Chi versus the Marvel Universe, and first I kind of eye rolled because I'm like, yeah, been done, right? That that is something that's a little bit played at this point. I eye rolled in the beginning, but you know, I was I said, all right, let's give it a chance and see where it goes. So let's do that. Now Shang Chi has actually taken over the Five Weapons Society. In case you didn't know that, big from the the recent series that was put out for Shang Chi, and he's the Supreme Commander now. So he has to clean up his father's mess from the inside out, basically, is what's happening here. Now, the problem is he thinks he can lead a normal life. And does that ever work for a hero? Never mind one that's trying to run a criminal organization is not a criminal organization and clean up everything that that organization has done in his family's name. No, there's no chance of a normal life there. So I don't know why he even thought that was going to be an option. But now one of his cases is actually crossed over with the case that Spider-Man is working. So now he's got to try and hide what he's doing from Spidey in a certain sense because he doesn't want him to know what's really going on. He thinks he's going to be judged for it or something even worse. Now, not to mention, though, Shank's sister, Esme, who's great, by the way, in this book. I love Esme. She's growing very impatient with his methods. And it's not pretty at times. Now, the investigation actually kind of goes down a really strange path at one point and when a dangerous power is kind of unearthed with a very interesting connection to the Five Weapons Society, too, by the way. Now, could this corruption be deeper than Shang-Chi thought? You know, who's this mysterious figure? At the end of the issue, those are questions that we're going to have to figure out as the story unfolds. But I got to tell you, you know, when I I told you I rolled at the beginning, but the story is actually quite compelling and juggles a lot, actually, in this issue. I think having Spider-Man play a a sporting role here definitely added to my enjoyment of this because of the interactions between Shang-Chi and Spider-Man, not just because, you know, hey, I love Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's in this, so I'm going to like it. No, it was more to it than that. And Spider-Man was very much a supporting character in this book. It was Shang-Chi and his story running the show. Spider-Man just happened to be a part of this issue. It also made the whole versus the Marvel Universe thing make sense in an offhanded kind of way. And the action in this book was very good. The art really popped in all the right places and all the right moments, too. So credit to the art team there. But I got to give even more credit, too, to Travis Lanham. Letters don't get enough credit sometimes. But there was a pivotal scene where his work was very, very important. And there's kind of a transfer between languages here that they point out in the beginning of the book. And you see that throughout. And Travis really sells that in a very subtle way. And it really adds, I think, to the storytelling element of this. And the secrecy, by the way that Shang-Chi is using 
to keep what's you know maybe really going on a bit of a secret. So that's more of a key than you think. So hats off to Travis for being able to bring that forward. I really enjoyed this more book more than I thought I was going to, and that is something that I was really, really happy to see. And apparently Captain America is going to be part of the next one. So, yeah, let's get ready to find out how that is going to work. So I'd throw this in the poll box as well. So a couple of good ones this week that you might want to pick up and give it a shot. That's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Yeah, there's some big nerd news this week, so we got to dive right in. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Greg Pak, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The future certainly looks bright in the streaming world. It's time for nerd news. Before I get into the big stories of the week, I want to tell you why I'm not talking about the Warner merger with Discovery, the, the news that was announced this week. I feel like it's still a little bit too fresh. We still don't know enough about what this actually means for the future of DC Comics and some of the other properties other than the fact that now Discovery will kind of co-own DC Comics. But again, the only thing I hope for is that no more Warner employees lose their job because goodness knows they've been through enough over the last couple of years as it is anyway. So I'm, I'm let's just wait for the dust to settle on this. Let's get a few more details. Then I will talk about it. Yes, I know it exists. Yes, I know it's a big story. I personally, I don't think that there's enough there to really dive into it just yet. So I'm going to hit the pause button on that and see where it goes. But there was some big news from Warner Brothers coming from the animation side this week, and that is a couple of new animated series are going to be coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network. Sam Register, by the way, involved in both of these things. Well, I mean, he is the president of Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios, so that makes sense. But the first of them has a lot of big names attached, and that is... A new Batman animated series. It's going to be called Batman Cape Crusader. It's going to come from executive producers J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm. Yeah, you want to talk about a treasure trove of talent? That is exactly what this new Batman animated series is going to have. Now, here's the deal. We have no synopsis about this. We don't know who the voice of Batman's going to be. We don't know where the story's going to go. None of that. We don't have any information other than the title, We've got the poster with the look at Batman, which has got the long ears on the cowl, too. By the way, I really hope they keep that for the actual series. And it's got that, the the kind of font that kind of makes you, that kind of reminds you of like a noir style. And that was actually brought up in a statement from Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and, and Matt Reeves that the word noir roots come, the words noir roots comes up there. So I really hope that's the kind of style that we get from this animated series because, again, Batman the Animated Series is always going to be the gold standard. I don't think that you're really going to reach that. But let's get something new, something different, something a little bit off what we usually see from a Batman animated series. And if I hear, if I see Noir, and you're going to make a whole series that's going to make it feel like that, that's something I'm really interested in, especially since that's kind of... Seems like it's going to be the vibe for the Batman, which is, you know, of course, the live action movie coming with Robert Pattinson with Matt Reeves at the helm. And since Reeves is attached here, I mean, there's a good chance that that could be what we're going to get. The only thing I worry about is is a clash of how how stories are told with this creative team, because I don't feel like J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves really tell stories the same way. And Bruce Tim throwing him into the mix as well. I think Bruce is a little bit more, you know, he could go both ways with telling this story. So I feel like Re- I feel like Bruce could work 
well with J.J. or Matt Reeves. My question is, is how will Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams' styles gel into telling a cohesive Batman story? I think that both of them certainly have the ability to tell a good Batman story, but I'm curious to see how they'll work together to do that. That's my only concern, and it's, it's kind of a minor concern, too. I'm not super worried about it. I'm just excited that we're getting a new Batman animated series that looks like it might be a little bit different. We're also getting a new Superman animated series, too, by the way, coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network. It's going to be called My Adventures with Superman. I'll get to casting in a second. But what this is going to do is it's actually going to follow a 20-something Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Now, Clark's just building his secret identity. He's kind of finally accepting that he is going to be kind of the hero for Metropolis and, you know, juggling his brand new, you know, his brand new relationship, his young relationship with Lois, too, by the way. It's going to be a serialized coming-of-age story, which is kind of how it's described. And we're also going to see Lois on the verge of, you know, becoming a star journalist. And Jimmy Olsen, by the way, as an aspiring photographer. So everybody is kind of in on the ground floor. They're going to be taking out the bad guys, going to be stumbling over some secrets that they, well, I'm sure they all have. And, you know, they just, just, they just kind of discover the very early relationship of, Clark Kent and Lois Lane. So I think this one is going to be really, really fun. There's a first look, by the way. The animation style is one of the things that makes it look really fun. And by the way, who's going to be the voice of Superman and Clark Kent? Jack Quaid. That's right. Huey himself from The Boys is going to be Superman. And I love that casting. I think that is absolutely perfect, especially if you want to bring more fun to a Superman series. Alice Lee from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist going to be the voice of of Lois Lane. As far as behind the scenes, I mentioned Sam Register. We've also got Jake Wyatt and Brendan Clogger, who are going to be a part of this. Of course, they've worked on Invader Zim and Voltron Legendary Defender, respectively. Josie Campbell going to be a part of this as well. She, and Josie's worked on She-Ra. So, I mean, hey, if there's a character that just needed a fun, fresh animated series, it's Superman. This is a character that definitely we don't get to have enough fun with we've seen you know obviously superman and lois is a little more on the lighthearted side but still serious so now we're gonna get a younger superman and maybe we get a chance to have a little bit of fun there's gonna be some some weird moments and there's gonna be some serious moments in this i'm sure but i think the focus on fun here is something that's really really important and i really hope they stick to that it's already gotten a two-season order by the way to hbo max and cartoon network so clearly somebody believes in this show, and, and it's good to know that it's going to be sticking around for a little bit. So, again, no release dates for either one of these shows, but I'm psyched for what's coming. I'm sure you remember me telling you about the Wednesday series coming to Netflix from Tim Burton. That's right, the Wednesday Adams centric series, where she's a little bit older. Well, now we know who's going to be playing Wednesday Adams, and that is Jenna Ortega. And of course, she took to social media to make the announcement. And she's got a script held up there, and she kind of talks about how... I love that she says that I hope I can do Wednesday Adams justice, and then, of course, snaps twice. Because that, to me, right there, she understands that this is not going to be an easy task. Even though this is an older Wednesday, it's going to be a different kind of story than we're used to from Wednesday Adams. When you hear Wednesday Adams, you think Christina Ricci, because that's how good... Christina Ricci was right and I don't think anybody is trying to escape from that I just think that 
what Jenna Ortega wants to do here, and I'm not putting any words in Jenna Ortega's mouth or trying to get inside her head, but I think that's exactly what she wants to do because she said it. She wants to do the character justice, and I think she's going to get a real chance to make this character her own, especially you know with Tim Burton at the helm because I think this is going to be a little bit of a different vibe than we've seen from Wednesday Adams before too. So I, I think that's one of the things that also helps give this thing a chance. And if you see the Instagram photo, by the way, she definitely looks the part of Wednesday Adams. She definitely has the right look. So I'm, I know that's something that everybody was kind of concerned about, right? But if you if you put her next to Christina Ricci, to put the photos together, very, very close. But I'll also be very interested to see how this character is designed and presented for this series. Because again, we're talking about a bit of an older Wednesday Adams here. So will this be one of those things where an older Wednesday is going to want to create her own identity that doesn't exactly look like what she would have looked like in the classic Adams family garb or, or what we would normally have seen or, or remember from Wednesday Adams? I think that that's going to be really interesting to see when that once this series starts up. So, you know, when that first look photo comes out and that first trailer comes out, yeah, I'm going to be all over that. Don't worry, I will be talking about this show a lot more coming up here on the podcast. And hey, I'm just so excited for this. I think that this is something to to continue the Adams family story in a different way. I think that this is going to be something that has a chance to be really, really neat for Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, they certainly weren't done making news this week because a new Boom Studios adaptation is going to be coming to Netflix once again. This time, it's going to be Mech Cadet U, that of course from Greg Pak and artist Takashi Miyazawa, which is going to be adapted as an original animation series. And if you're not familiar with Mech Cadet U, it's actually going to be called Mech Cadet when it's adapted on Netflix. Basically set 50 years in the future after a terrifying alien species has attacked the planet. Teenagers... Stanford Yu works as a janitor at the Sky Corps Military Academy, but he's only dreamed of one thing his entire life to pilot a robot mech. Giant robots from outer space who came to our aid when he finally gets his shot. Stanford and his classmates must put aside all personal differences and work together as a team in order to defend humanity against a new invasion of aliens. And if you think to yourself, oh, okay, yeah, I've kind of I've heard that before. This is definitely a different take on the thing that you're thinking of, and I'm not going to say it out loud. It's definitely a different take on that. This this is a fun, fun book. It's got three volumes from Boom Studios. debuted back in 2017. I reviewed the first issue. It was just I loved it. So you first of all, you got plenty of time to catch up on this story, by the way, because it doesn't debut on Netflix until 2023. That's the only bummer about this. But the, I mean, this is just another example of Netflix finding just the right books to adapt and just the, and to do it at just the right time. And this is something that, again, the whole family can enjoy. So the, the focus for Netflix isn't just on stuff that can be enjoyed by adults or kids. Netflix really has done a good job at finding things that can be enjoyed by the whole family at once. And as someone with two kids and a third one on the way, that's hugely important for me. Because, I mean, you can only watch but so much of certain things, right, before you start to go crazy as a parent. If there's something that I can watch with my kids a lot that we all enjoy, that is a huge win. So bravo to Netflix for that. And I'm just excited for Greg Pak, too. He's a good guy. 
and has so many great stories. And I'm glad to see that those stories, especially his creator own stuff, finally starting to get the recognition that it deserves. Uh, there's a couple of other stories that I think I'd like to see of his be brought to the screen as well. So hopefully we, we hear much more about stuff from Greg Pak coming up in the future. Here's something, it's one of those things where if you read the whole press release, you're like, oh, wait a minute, did I see what I just saw? And this is actually one of those things that just happened. In the announcement for the the, the Batman Long Halloween Part 2, of course, it's going to be a two-part adaptation. I've talked about that before. Snuck into that press release. And Warner Brothers does this. They tell you, okay, well, here you're going to get a look at the new movie that's going to be coming up after this one from Warner Brothers Animation. And then you look at the title and you go, whoa. It's Injustice. That's right. Injustice is finally being adapted as an animated feature by Warner Brothers Animation. I say feature, but it's going to be one of the. It's going to be in the same universe of the movies that get released to Blu-ray, DVD, and digital things like that. Now, again, no date attached to Injustice yet, but again, this story from Tom Taylor and Company that started and, and, and the game as well that started years ago about you know Superman finally crosses the line. And I'm not going to tell you, just in case you haven't read it, I really don't want to spoil anything. But when Superman crosses the line and then you've got these two factions of heroes and villains, quite frankly, teaming up together against one another and to actually kind of go after Superman and this tyrannical thing that he's got going on. I mean, this is a story that I know it's only been, I know it only started back in 2017 and here we are only in 2021, but this thing's been begging to be adapted from the very start. Not just as a comic or as a game, but as some sort of movie or series or something. This is one of those stories that just grabs you with both hands and will not let go. This is You have to be glued to this the entire time. And just the way that this story is told and all the twists and turns in it, my goodness. I mean, I can only imagine what this animated movie is going to be like. And hopefully the first of many, too, by the way, because there's a lot to this story they can be told with a lot of different characters. So get ready to have an ensemble cast because you are going to have one for this movie. Now, will it be a straight ad adaptation of the game or the comic book series? Probably not. You know, Warner Brothers Animation typically does a very good job at switching just the right things up in order to tell a unique story. They've certainly proven that in the past. I expect this to be no different. So I'm expecting good things. From this, I mean, maybe my expectations are going to be set too high. That's the only thing I'm worried about is that I'm going to set my expectations too high because I'm just really looking forward to this. I mean, I, I would be remiss if I just glossed over the fact that the that Batman The Long Halloween Part 2 is going to be coming out on July the 26th on Digital HD and Blu-ray on August the 10th. And that trailer, too, by the way, really, really good. I've been looking forward to this Batman Long Halloween adaptation anyway. Then you see the character designs for characters like Poison Ivy, Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, and of course Two-Face, which is on the cover of the Blu-ray cover art for this. And you're thinking, my goodness, that is amazing. And, and just the noir style of the whole thing. And the, this this is one of the true detective stories of Batman lore. And it looks like they're definitely going to be doing that justice. So I can't wait to see how this thing's going to turn out. Part 1's not coming out until June, by the way. But then you got Part 2 in July. So you don't even have to wait that long. So bravo to Warner Brothers for that, for giving us both parts right away. Don't forget the 4K not coming out until 2022, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there.
That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the wonderful Jennifer Hale for joining me this week to talk about all of her amazing projects. Make sure you're supporting What the Vox and all the great voiceover talent that is out there. And make sure you're following us on social media as well, at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter, on Instagram, at Down and Nerdy on Facebook, and at downandnerdypodcast.com. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever that might be. Make sure you listen, subscribe, and share. Every little bit helps to support the show. I appreciate your support over the years as well. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.